Hey. Hello there. How's it going? Good. Um, what's new with you? Well, I figure I would start by saying that my one of my family friends bought me a mic for my birthday, which was... We're leveling up. We up really are. We're moving up in the podcast world as we speak. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm useless with presents. I never use them right away unless it's like clothes or jewelry. Like, my brother <laughs> bought me a Google Home. It took me a year to use that. Um, this mic, I've had it for like almost three months was that the google home in your new york apartment that was like verbally abused okay here's the thing about my relationship (laughs) with my google home before i'm put on blast that thing is a fucking idiot like every time my roommate would call her google home first of all we had like 17 (laughs) google homes in my apartment for god knows what reason all the google homes but the one that was supposed to respond would respond and mine was always (laughs) doing that and like there's times where like like today i'll be like hey google can you please play no guidance by chris brown and it's like playing no guidance playlist and i'm like did i ask for a playlist i didn't <laughs> ask for the song so that's why i mean to my google home in addition i don't have anyone in my life i can treat that way so in some ways google home is what's keeping me sane no, I really, I really do think the Alexas and the series of the world are like the target of a lot of internalized rage across yes. the spectrum, for sure. Yes, which is cool because um, they're also like collecting data on us, which is like, yeah. So they're really, they're really getting you back. You know what I mean? Exactly. They're, like, they're, they deserve they're, what who, I'm giving them. Who wins in the end is the real question. Amazon. Yeah. Google. Yeah big well, tech behemoth whelp um whelp indeed i was seeing this like new york times article about um amazon like entering into cities and i saw like a brand new amazon warehouse actually like in this area like built right near us because all, all these big warehouses that are going up most of them are amazon um and i was reading something about um you know how like I think in like the 70s there were like like Hershey like Hershey company with like the amusement park and stuff they had like company towns you know where they like kind of provided like housing and like provided some government functions as a company but um I I was reading this New York Times article about um Amazon coming into areas and kind of becoming like the major player and the major corporate entity but not really providing those services do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think- Or paying taxes even. Well, exactly. It's like, what actual social good are they bringing? And like, if you really examine it, it's in the negatives. And like, one thing I found interesting about that article that you sent is um, it talks specifically about automation and how workers are concerned that even though there's immense creation of jobs, um, they're very concerned, rightfully so about the possibility that their jobs and the, the tasks that they do every day will just be automated away. Yeah, temporary. Right. And like, yeah, that actually is something that I do at work. Like that is something like that's the kind of projects that we take on is like figuring out how to create automations in exist- existing people, process and technology. And like that sentence really struck me because I was like, yeah, you have every right to have that fear. Because that's literally mm-hmm. what companies are trying to do. And like, right. you know, and like, 
But but my thing is, my dad always gets mad about this. Like, Appa is always like, oh, they're always trying to automate away these jobs. And I'm like, my idea is people need something to do, so you don't want to automate away everything. But it's not a bad idea to optimize automation and allow people more free time if you're going to continue to pay them and help them, you know, have health care and food. But if you're just going to automate the jobs, not pay taxes and make, make Jeff Bezos a little bit richer... And then thousands of people just lose their jobs. Like that was Andrew Yang's whole shtick was that like we're like this close, like so freaking close to automated truck trucks driving themselves mm-hmm. and all the truck drivers in the whole country and the gas stations that service them and the diners that service them. All of these entities that support the truck driver economy are going to dry up soon. Which is fine. He He's like, they don't need to be away from their families all year and drive trucks. But where's that saved money going to go? You know, like, to what end are we optimizing and to whose end are we optimizing? Well, that in and um, of itself, I think, describes the problem with American society, which is that, like, no one wants to take the responsibility for the lives that they displace by these so-called innovations and automations. And, like, to I- increase shareholder return or profit or whatever it is profits i think at the end everything is money driven and like i don't i'm not gonna say if i'm pro or con or like pro or against is probably the better way to say it like automation innovation i think i i'm very invested in innovation like what i want to study is related to design and innovation i recognize that that is going to be part of my i mean i'm not anti-innovation this is like this is like the pro anti-life it's like i'm not anti-life like it's just like I'm pro innovation, but but we should like support the people that are like working. Do you know what I mean? Like, if innovation is just optimizing it to make it efficient, like like why I want I support the idea that we make things more efficient, but why are we making it more efficient? Like, what benefit is it going to serve? And if it's just going to make more profit, but displace tons of people and increase homelessness, then I don't I don't consider that more efficient. Yeah, so I should clarify what I mean. Like, I don't think I, I don't think I have like a positive or negative opinion of innovation automation so much as I accept that it's a reality and it's going to continue to occur. What I have an issue with right. is what you're saying is about like, it's going to inevitably displace people and their lives and livelihood. And we, I feel like as a society have a responsibility to those people to like help them and like settle them. Um, And my original thought on this used to be that, like, someone should be in the same vein with innovation, like where you're automating tasks away that workers do right now. Someone should be teaching those workers new skills that can be applied in the future for other kinds of jobs. Like, you can't just, like, decimate, (laughs) for lack of a better word, like an entire section of the workforce and then not help them move somewhere else. But, like... Uh, I agree, but I, I, no, I, me too, very much of multiple minds, because it is a complicated problem. Um, And I think also you can't take all the truck drivers of the world and just teach them how to code and solve problems. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, like, educate away. And I think that's where, like, you hit a wall, because, like, probably a percentage of that population can be taught how to code to become really talented in that field, but not everyone, you know? And that's also totally fine. Like, it's okay for that to be the case. But I even saw, like, there are, like, Amazon um, 
because the Amazon bought Whole Foods, right? Mm-hmm. So now Amazon basically owns Whole Foods. So it's also a grocery store. Like Amazon provides more government services than our government actually provides, especially during this pandemic. I'm gonna go with yikes. It's <laughs> it's provided sanitizer, like masks, clothing, groceries. It literally owns a grocery store. Um, and they had these like carts where you can like in certain places they have these like beta prototypes of these shopping carts where you can like scan the item as you put it in and it has a little scale so you don't need a cashier at all so like what does that mean but should we outlaw those carts like i don't think we should outlaw a cart like america is about innovation and creativity i think it's more like it is painful and expensive to exist and people like you and i started in a pretty good place pretty good i'm not uh, gonna say like very yeah. very good but pretty good place like, enough enough yeah like we had enough and like that meant that what we achieved could be far greater than even what our parents have achieved and like i see that and i'm like i'm not worried about my job being fully automated away not for a while i am worried about the con the the context of my work and the actual tasks that i do changing a lot and like I have expressed that to you that like at work I'm like based on the project doing something completely different like I've written HR policies I've built products for people like internal products for inter- internal product users like I, I'm noticing that for me it's like I but you're a, you're a consultant you're a consultant too True. so I think once you go to graduate school and you like you know pick you know you develop yourself into like a niche and like a an offering that you'll find yourself doing the things that you enjoy and like more and being able to direct yourself hopefully because right now you are kind of being thrown around and I think honestly Shruti like a lot of really great business people begin as consultants because you get to dabble in that way that's true and you kind of have to even in things you don't like you need to be like okay well and you can kind of be like because as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to teach yourself to do anything, basically. You have to suddenly be like, oh, well, now I have to write this HR manual because I'm the only person that works here. I'm the whole company. And so you kind of have to do it. But as a consultant, you've done that before. Or you at least, you know, encountered the mindset of having to be thrown in. No, I definitely agree with you. And I still think it's valuable because it's only because of the work that I've done for the past almost four years now that I know what I want to do for grad school applied and it will now be going in the fall like you know like the the trajectory of it I am grateful do you want to say where you'll be going so I am going to be going to an art slash design school in New York I won't name it but I think people can probably guess it's between like three institutions I will also add that it's located in Brooklyn and Manhattan um I'm going to be situated at the Manhattan campus um and my prod my um I guess subject matter expertise that I'll be studying is is design management so um but the thing with design too like anything else is design trends exist things keep changing but the thing about design and consulting and other fields like that is you are not just encouraged but required to reskill yourself constantly and the companies you work for Mm -hmm. provide you those resources to do so so that's why I get mad at like the Amazons of the world that like are creating all these like all these jobs for for people, but then secretly still working on like innovation, quote unquote, 
to eventually hopefully get rid of those jobs because for them that's a cost and like that's where yeah. that's where I like I get angry because I'm like someone needs to take this responsibility and like arguably I think but that's the, the thing is, is the but that's the, exactly we're letting Amazon be our government but ultimately Amazon's and Amazon can act as our government as long as our interests, as long as Amazon interests are to keep our people alive. But as soon as our people become a cost and a liability to Amazon, they're not the government. They have no, we don't fund them. They can just drop everyone. And I think we're just trusting, and we all do it. Like my wedding registry is on Amazon and Patrick was like, oh, it's on Amazon. And I was like, I know, but I'm fucking, I'm tired yeah, and man. it's so it's so much easier that really? way and everyone can get everything it's a, it's a freaking pan- it's a freaking pandemic okay like it's really hard to like get people to like all like get, give the same thing and kind of like figure it out and they've they've made it seamless but i feel sick doing it do you know what i mean no i hear you um but again like yeah but patrick was like, like oh amazon and i was like you make the registry and his mom was like that's right <laughs> <laughs> and i was like but i mean i think that's such a good point too though that you're like well, I kind of want to use Amazon because it's easier. It makes my life easier because it's a good product. But like, then you are also the one that's feeling the guilt. And I'm like, it shouldn't be you feeling the guilt. It should be like, you know? But it's not, and it's not just, it's with everything. It's like, I worked at Penn. I worked at like places in New York City. Like I've worked in hospitals and everyone's like, oh, insurance won't cover this wheelchair here's the link to one on Amazon. Like, Amazon's legitimately filling in healthcare gaps. Like, gaps in healthcare coverage. Like, I'm not even kidding. And it's delivering to people's doors of people who are, like, disabled and can't leave their homes. That's something the government is, like, wholly unable to do. Regardless of the fact that we have, like, an Americans with Disabilities Act. We have an act, but we have, we're fully incapable of doing anything like that. No, I mean, we can't um, And Amazon money. is... Well, I mean, I, I have two questions then, or like one point and then a question. The point um, is like the Biden administration promised us like stimulus checks. Mm-hmm. We have not seen them. Where are they though, baby? <laughs> I haven't seen anything. I'm waiting. Buddy. Well, okay. Okay. Mine, mine are horrible because um, you would hope it would go straight back into the economy, but I full honesty will I'm still living at my parents' house, so I will be paying my student loans with them. So it'll go back into the imaginary government debt instead of the real economy. But again, that's not even something that you should be feeling the guilt about. And I think that's what American capitalism does to us. It makes you feel guilt. It's because the U.S. government gave me a 7% loan. Of course I'm going to pay it back. Like, what do you mean? You don't want to live a life of debt? Like, you don't want to live with that hanging over your shoulder? Like, again, like, this is why, have you watched The Good Place? Um, you know, on and off season one and a half. Okay. Sure. What I love about that show is, I think the crisis that we face in real life, which is like, we try to be good people, but then we use and or participate in systems and like large conglomerate companies, and that fault is both we are made to feel that that is partially our fault, but also like any decision you make has so much downstream impact. Like, no one can fully mm-hmm. be good. And I just love the way that The Good Place framed that. Like, what if you could live in a world where your decisions genuinely, you could decide if they were good or bad? And, like, I just wish we had that sometimes. But we don't have that privilege. 
Yeah, we don't have that, but I do think it's still important to act like you do in some I way. Do. do you know I what do. I mean? Yeah. Um, like, because sometimes it can be like, oh, like I'm just a cog in a machine and like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. And like, so I'm just gonna, it's easy to just kind of crumble under it and give it up. And I think sometimes that's okay. Like if you're really struggling and you're down and out and like, I don't expect you to be like thinking about like it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you know what I mean? Like if you need to hold three jobs to feed your children, I don't expect you to be thinking about how you're playing a role in the climate change fight. Like, if you are, congratulations. But if you're not, like, fine, you know? Like, you have to take care of your needs first. But we all have, I think, also, like, we talk about big tech all the time and how much it, like, controls us and manipulates us and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I do think it's really, like, formulaic. And people can, they're getting to a point of fatigue with it. Like, they can sense that it's formulaic. Mm -hmm. And, um people like have more control than they believe and like they recognize when things are like real and authentic and I think when we get back into the real world um people will feel hopefully less itemized and more like they can just like make local change and like be good to their friends you know buy their friend a coffee when they're having a bad day and then make someone's day a little better like that like that stuff matters. I hear you. I mean, um, and I think to be you know to be a good person, like I think I've said this before, either to you at some point or like on the podcast, but like I think to be a good person is really just a summation of like your actions, and like if you can net good actions slash outcomes, that's what you should strive for. So I completely agree. You know, like like. If a friend is down and like going through a crisis, like be there for them. Or like, if you're if your parents are sad about something and like they can't work through it themselves, like help them out. Like donate to charities that you you really believe in. I definitely agree with all that. Um, I think it's just hard sometimes, honestly, for me. I guess this is just me like admitting transparent. Like, yeah, it really bogs me down. Like sometimes I start to feel like I'm trying to do these good things, but like, does it even matter in the end? Like, and this is, like, the the discussion we were having earlier about, like, millennial versus Gen Z mentality. I think we're very, like, millennial cusp. But, I, yeah, we're totally cusp. cusp because, like, a lot of the words that they well, use and stuff and, like, absurdity and chaos, like, I definitely feel that. But I just think it's, 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 um, I, I'm telling you, I cut it with, like, personal computer and internet use. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, I remember a childhood before the internet and before, like, the com- home computer was, like, an essential mm-hmm. part of myself. Like, I have, like, a, a niece, basically, like, a family friend who's four now. And she, like, grew up with an Alexa, grew up with all this stuff and iPhone and YouTube and everything. She doesn't know anything else. She's clearly a different generation than me. But a lot of these kids in, like, middle school grew up with all that, too. Um, and they're not that much younger than me, but they they grew up more like her than like me. Um, so there was a quick, like I always say between my parents and me, there's like a geographical divide, a cultural divide, a technological divide, an age divide. I think with me and kids like 10 years younger than me in the US, there's literally only a technological divide and that's already like a chasm. I feel like it's a technology divide and a mentality <laughs> divide though because like millennials mm-hmm. rightfully so are like beaten down 
like I was just talking to one of my friends mm-hmm. before this um, and she's like decidedly Gen Z. Um, like she's like seven years younger than me. Um, she's like yeah, she's Gen Z, Z for sure. Exactly. There's like people that are not cusp. Like we're, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not, listen, like I'm 25. I'm not trying to fake being young because there are 32 year olds out there trying to freeze time and being like the pandemic is frozen time so like it doesn't count i'm still in my 20s and i think that's like really gross that's so such a millennial and and it goes with like the cringiness of a a word like adulting because 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 millennials are you're right they're so bogged down and fatigued that they've gone into like this period of like continued infantilization Mm -hmm where they'll look at something like taxes and they'll be like adulting and instead of being like this is something that like i need to like take on now like they are unable to like kick themselves into the next gear be kind of because boomers have like it's like a vending machine if like the boomers won't leave the front spot there's nowhere for the millennials to go so they've stalled themselves because that's all there's space for you doing yeah, you like, know so i'm reading this book right now um it's called the black swan um yo a taleb um, forget i it. literally texted patrick about this and he goes swetha calls me a taleb head and i was like it's by like what's his name nasim nicholas taleb he's like an economist well, he, and he, he, pretty he, sure he's a he trump supporter he would like big hate that he's so much. whatever he called himself he, an empiricist he's like and one a skeptic of those- uh, of course he calls himself a skeptic whatever it's he's like he's one of those people where like he writes good books and i really really like his ideas but like i shouldn't like go to into his twitter or like into like looking at pictures of him because then i'll be turned off of his legitimately no, good I, ideas. you can just tell even by reading the book that he has absolute garbage <laughs> politics but his ideas like even like the way that I described happiness, like the next day while I was reading the book, is exactly how he described happiness and like and how to mm-hmm. be good, like as summation of actions and patterns of behavior that add up over time through instances, as opposed to like people being happy or people being sad. And like, I just like the way that he right. explains things and like there's one. Well, that lines up with like the Papam Bunyam karmic, like karmic's like build up like these are your good points these are your bad points and they net up to yeah, something absolutely. like i end. think i think a hindu could read this book and even though he clearly does not a- align to any religion like you could still feel that it bolsters like, a lot of what like hinduism does like is a proponent of um but there's one there's one thing in the book that i feel like is an analogy for what has happened with millennials um where he's, he talks about basically, like, nobody talks about the person who's the preventative hero. Like, the person who does things to prevent something from happening. And because of that, the bad thing doesn't happen. So people aren't harmed. Yep. And that's almost how I feel about the like millennial generation as a whole. Like, our contributions and our push for social change is what started it. But we were beaten down and tired through the process and now rightfully so gen z is like the true youths it should be them carrying the mantle Mm -hmm. but like they're not going to thank us right because we didn't make change we just started it we got the ball rolling but from their perspective it's like we're the ones ostensibly doing things like i know so many gen z kids who are like out actually protesting and organizing getting arrested like 
And I cannot say. I, okay, I agree. I think also, right? I'm sorry. I just, they're also in Zoom school. I had more free time when I was 16. I just did. Okay. I could probably afford to do more things if, if I was 15 or 16. And there are people my age doing things now. So no excuse. You know, you can do anything at any age. I just think in our culture today, it's it's just a problem. I think also that has to, it's tied in with technology and, and our short attention span, um, our obsession with youth. Mm-hmm. And honestly, our neglect and our neglect and contempt for the aging, um, because it just doesn't line up with what we want. You know what I mean? And I think it's like accelerated to a point of no return. Where at thirty-two, people feel absolutely ancient. At thirty-two, that's actually like so ridiculous. And and I think I have, um, like a long lens on this because I treat people who are sixteen. I treat people who are eighty-four. And when you, I'm sorry, when you treat people who are like 96, sometimes you're like 32 is so young. Like, it's crazy that you're feeling this insecure and this hated on by a 15 year old for being old and decrepit. You know what I mean? It's just the words used are so wild. It's like you would think that a 25 year old could offer like legitimate mentorship. Yeah. Right. To a, in a 17 year old. And, and and I do, I have relationships like that with with girls that age, you know what I mean? Where they look up to me and they're like, they want to be more like me and they, you know? And I think like a generational contempt or like lack of thanks or gratitude is is actually like, it's a real problem. And it's it's like a product of like, I don't know, feeling let down. I don't know. There's something I wrong, mean- you know? If you're asking me if I think Gen Z is perfect, no. If you're asking me if I think I like the lack of gratitude and, like, I don't like that either, you know? Because, like, I think it's a strong core value of mine to show gratitude for the people and things that have given me good in life. I think you're the same. I think that's how we were raised. Yeah, but I still think I still think the boomers don't feel like the millennials give them enough gratitude. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, even if I feel like that's a core value of mine, I just feel like there is, like, a, a generational contempt where it's like, oh, you guys are lazy, oh, you guys won't leave, or, like, you guys are decrepit. That's why I don't really chastise um, or criticize Gen Z for, like, how they feel about us. I'm sure that they see us, and they see disappointment, and I, I've seen how we look up. Honestly, though, I, like, agree with them. That's what I like about being cussed, though, because they're, like, literally, like, it's so cringe that 35 year olds are using the word adulting and i agree with that them, word because i do be retire that was one of those like vernaculars that, that word needs like, to be retired and illegal. i'm sorry yeah. but if you're 30 yeah, no. something right i agree with that and that's what i like about being cussed because i do very much feel like i feel young i don't feel old at all to be honest i feel like i'm just getting started so i have an energy behind me that i feel like there's like a millennial there's like a tired millennial and that's like it might not even have to do with age. It can range in like a ten year category, but it's like a type of millennial. And I could and I could so easily be that type of millennial if I just didn't get a good enough job that would help me pay my loans. But if I was like kind of like bogged down more by student debt and maybe I couldn't have lived with my parents for the last five months. Or like maybe I was like in a tough dating situation and it was a pandemic. There's so many things that can like 
put you in a category. I feel like no one understands what Gen Z or Gen X or millennial where it blurs. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know? I think you're also saying that because you're very anti-categorization and anti-defining people. No, I don't I, like labels. I definitely love labels. You know I do because they help me construct yeah. the system. They're, well, well, they're very useful. They're useful. I like I like categorizing and then caveating. Yes, which do you know what absolutely I mean? you should do. Because what was that quote I shared on my story the other day? If you're certain, um, it was something about yeah, like the if your certainty is certainly yeah. wrong, basically, like anything that's a, and and I had a, when I saw that quote that you posted. I thought of my history teacher, my history and civics teacher from my high school, because he always like drilled this into my head. He was like, Swetha never used superlatives like in debate in life ever. And he would always cross out like if I wrote always or never, he would always cross it out. And he would be like, sometimes, often, but not always and not never. You know, no one taught me that at school, but I learned that through work um, because there's Mm -hmm. a danger at work liability exactly liability. um everything is based on contracts if you say you will definitely do something and they get that in verbiage and wording it can be yeah. fun and like yeah and that history civics teacher was a lawyer who retired that, to become that a teacher tracks. so that makes a lot of sense um that tracks. going, to your, going yeah. to your point about like the tired defeated millennial you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of um that Harry Potter quiz that I made you take with the primaries and secondaries <laughs> I swear because um, uh-huh. you got burned okay. Hufflepuff and I'm that's so burned like, and like I'm for, so for our listeners there's this really cool Harry Potter quiz I highly recommend it it's called Sorting Hat Chats it gives you a primary house which is why you do things and a secondary which is how and you, Swetha, you got burned Hufflepuff because you would do it for the whys that a Hufflepuff would normally do, but you've been kind of literally burned by your experiences in life and or your mentality at the time that you took the quiz. So I adopt other qualities out of kind of like a, I don't know, maybe regret or spite or fear because you've had a bad experience with how you normal your normal why yeah. would be. Yeah, I like that quiz. And I think it's also like these types of personality quizzes. I don't think it's ultimately about like, Harry Potter about or, or like whatever fucking thing it is. Because it's it's really just about, yeah, as, what you're saying is about mm-hmm. like how's wise mm-hmm. methods, tools, um, which is all these like all these like business corporate seminars are basically the same you thing too. Personality test um, and I always love I've been for like as long as I yeah. can remember. Well, and I like the ones that, and like you said, like, I he don't like categorization. That's why I really don't like political categorization. I, will, I, don't I even honestly answer that refuse question to call way. myself a Democrat, a Republican, a leftist, a progressive, like, a conservative, like, call me whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. That especially doesn't track for me. But I do really like the personality quizzes that categorize you, but then allow room. Like, that's why I like the primary, secondary burned or like the Enneagram is so satisfying to me because it has like one and then the the type and the wing. And then it has like mm-hmm. the chart where you can see like where you are, <laughs> like on, on like a map. 
Like, I like that because it offers enough content. This is so autistic, whatever. It offers, like, enough content that there's, like, gray area between the categories, you know, in, like, a way that you can, like, figure no, out. No, I, I agree with you. Um, The Enneagram, I do like that quiz, but it is, it's pretty complicated, so I can't say I've spent the time to, like, learn the test inside out. It's it is. So like, you know I do this. I'll keep taking personality tests, like, over and over till... I get, like, mm-hmm. a result most of the time, which I believe is probably my most accurate result, number one. Number two, I try and see if I can break the quiz. And I've done it so far with Myers-Briggs and now this Harry Potter quiz. Maybe I should do Enneagram next because I'm... That one's really complicated. I actually want to learn more about it. It is pretty complicated, I agree. And, like, there's also, like, the two schools of thought. Like, one one school believes that you can only wing to the one before or after your type. Another one believes that you can wing to any type. It's, like, there's just so many rules. And I think, I think you end up seeing that with all of these tests because it's just, at the end of the day, like, an arbitrary framework. That's, random yeah, proxy. Like that a random bunch yeah. of dudes made once. And they're like, this is science. And it's yeah. like, well... No, it's just a set of archetypes. Right. Well, yeah. And and I think that's like, that's going back to like Taleb and like talking about like um the, what did you say? The preventative hero. Um, He talks a lot about how statistics, I mean, he's like a big proponent. He's a skeptic, right? Yeah, about how statistics are just numbers. So like doctors will say something, econ- economists will say something, but you know, they can say, they can make the numbers say whatever they want. You build a narrative and then you find numbers to support it. You find proxy narratives to, to support it. And so that's why he can make a skeptic out of everything. And also why, you know, conspiracy theories thrive and stuff. You know, it's, you have to, you have a balance. Yeah, I mean, but he's not wrong. I do think like, um, again, like with people like Taleb and, and really any other influential writer, like even, um, what was his name? Sapiens? Yuva Lahari? Harari? Mm-hmm. Harari. Harari. No, yeah, you all know Harari. You all know Harari. Harari. Okay. Harari. I want to get it right. Um, even the way he wrote his book, like Sapiens, was like very like I have it all figured out, and this. I know, but I mean, I'm sure it's hard to write a book. I would never. Don't catch me writing oh, I mean, a Sapiens true. book. So and don't this body don't. research. Yeah, I would so never. Time. Same with yeah. the theme. Like all these writers, prolific. You know. Well. His thing about the preventative hero, because like I studied public health and I wanted to get a master's in public health. But what I really felt and what my dad told me, too, was just like, I really felt like going into public health, I would be a preventative hero, which people Mm -hmm. have seen with the pandemic. And my brother was like, oh, sweet, you kind of left public health when it popped off. And I'm like, but in what way did it pop off? I don't want to popped off. I think your brother and I have to be best friends (laughs) because that's totally something I would say he's wild for saying that yeah no but he's wild for saying that but no he's right but at the same time it's like i don't want to be telling people to wash their hands and wear masks for 12 months do you know what i mean and it's that's the thing with public health is it's prevention based so as long as you're preventing a pandemic no one pays any attention to you but as soon as you don't prevent a pandemic everyone's really mad at you and then they're wondering what you're going to do and all you can try to do is prevent the next one by telling them to wash their hands it's a lack of gratitude for sure it's it's tough 
and that's and that kind of preventative hero thinking is why I decided to go into physical therapy instead because I wanted to be like a clinician I thought it would keep me active tracked better with dance and like that's why I like that's why I've always liked reading is because if I didn't think about something like that I probably would have had a totally different career and that's like not anything I learned in school do you know what I mean that's just like a way of thinking and like a random mindset that like helped actually guide me you know and I think that's what you're saying about being at work too you know um but another another like thing that like me and Patrick talk a lot about one of Taleb's points is and I think the name of one of his books Mm, is the one he told me I would probably like as well yeah that one is good and then the basic principle is so good because um it's just if you don't have skin in the game, like if you aren't affected by the results and consequences of the actions that you take, then you won't take actions in a way that um, embodies that risk. You know what I mean? Like, and I can see it a lot in our politicians, like our basically our gerontocracy, like a bunch of 70, 80 plus people old. who... Um, they do be old and and but and that's the thing about age is like to a certain point you want politicians yeah you want whether you agree with them or not you want them to at least doing that yeah you want a track record but you also want them to be alive in 20 years to deal with the world that they've created because some of these people can take money steal money from the government put it in their own family's pockets I mean, and then literally die. what Nancy Pelosi's doing like and the PPP loans went to like her husband and it won't as soon as the pandemic hit they all made stock trades real fast all of congress what does that tell you and it would be different if they were 40 years old but right now they're just cashing out their stocks and they're going to go retire and the, that's just not who you want in charge. Do you know what I mean? So there's like a clear distrust because, of course, there's no skin in the game. And I think that's true with like the vaccine and COVID, too, because like richer people will get access to the vaccine. There's going to be like an apartheid, basically, like a class apartheid of people who are vaccinated or have access to healthcare and insurance and treatment and people who don't. And there's going to be an inherent mistrust, a, a distrust of of people who are like educated and well off telling other people what to do for their health when they might not have access to the same resources yeah, or live the same life. You say that because um, I was having this debate with my dad. Um, he doesn't believe incarcerated individuals should like be vaccinated and like be afforded the same like safeties that non-incarcerated individuals are getting. And I obviously do not believe that. Like, I think they like people in nursing homes and people who are forced to be confined are some of the most at-risk populations. And I think I'm not God. So I have no right to decide whose life does matter and doesn't matter more than another's. And like, that really bugged me from multiple standpoints, because like, even from a public health standpoint, like, to, it's like harm reduction like mm-hmm. when there's a pandemic like you're trying to reduce further harm like because that's the best you can do in short term and like and that's this is a way to reduce harm as much as possible and like that irked me on like a like a factual standpoint but also irked me on like a moral standpoint because it's like my dad says he's a very devout hindu hinduism supposedly and i think it does 
as a practice promote tolerance um and like the belief that every human being is like ultimately coming from this one collective whole so really we are all the same so i'm like why don't those beliefs translate into practice and that's like and maybe again i do this i think very far into the problem and then i get even more upset about how far i've thought but i couldn't i couldn't unlink that you know like <laughs> yeah. it really it like really struck a nerve for me I mean, I guess, and it, I guess it also, you have to see like how much people know about the systems they're operating in because as soon as I heard that, the first thing I thought was, okay, and how many of those people who are incarcerated even deserve right. to be incarcerated? Like, I'm sorry, but if you got caught for like smoking weed or like stealing like baby formula, like if it's a pandemic, you should be let out immediately. Like, you should be let out of jail. There's like a whole swath of people that should have been released as soon as news of the pandemic happens so that exactly we could engage in harm reduction by not keeping them in an enclosed space anymore for something that was totally nonviolent and totally fine but we need them because we have for-profit prisons and we use them for free labor do you know what i mean like um and that's and that's the idea of like you know we can make things more or less efficient but to whose end and like, why are we doing the things we're doing? No, I mean, you know? I see why you're focused on the why. Like, to figure out what the purpose is. Because it always goes, it's always money. It always goes back to someone's making money. And like, that's what I've learned. And that's kind of why I am skeptical of stuff and kind of distrustful of stuff. But that's why I think also I, I trust Gen Z because they don't, fucking have any money all they have is skin in the game mm-hmm. all they have is lives to live and that's why i trust them is even if they don't know what the fuck they're talking about i trust them more than nancy pelosi god i'd give my life for them because they have skin in the game so i trust them like end of story they have more skin in the yeah, game my than mom i do said this to me last year um and i think it applies to how i feel about gen z but um we were disagreeing about like about their feelings on Islam. And I'm uh, sorry, my parents' feelings. Gen Z's. And like, I obviously never okay. read anything that comes out of their mouth. I think it's wrong and like, yeah. I'll fight it until I die. I know too many good Muslim people to like not fight back each time that they say things. And even if I didn't, you know what I mean? It's just like, it really grates on me. But mm-hmm. um, eventually, my mom stopped debating with me and she goes, you know what, Shruti, like, we do have to believe that our kids are going to be better than us. So perhaps you are right. And that's how I feel about Gen Z. I feel like I don't always understand what they're doing, but they seem better. Mm-hmm. I think they're wildly hilarious. I think they're funny. And like just all comedians, every TikTok that I'm ever sent, I'm like, this is pure comedic genius. Like, yeah. and I think they pull from real life experience. Yeah. They're like, Nothing matters, so I'm going to have fun. What? And I think they don't, exactly, they don't take Which themselves too their seriously benefit only, either. Because it's funny, they um, don't take themselves too seriously, no. but they're also simultaneously, like, doing more to have an impact on the world. And I think that's so interesting. But I think, I think that's what gives me hope, though, because 
everyone wants to give up control, right? They want to be like, oh, like our big tech is controlling us. Amazon's controlling us. They're collecting our data. But listen, they focus grouped everything. And tell me what data the Biden administration doesn't have access to. They have access to every focus group, every data, every formula, every pundit. And and still, if if you you know, do something that's not natural or weird or, like, clearly, like, planned out, I can tell. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't sit right with me. So how much control do they really have? we touched have, on this you in know? the last episode, too, like, feelings about control. And I mentioned that, like, I really value and need control to, like, feel like I'm sane. But at the same time, I somewhat believe in determinism, which argues that you have no control over anything ever. And I'm just like, where where do i land my own brain is at war with me on this concept of control but i think gen z is like we may not have any control but fuck that i'm gonna try anyway yeah i like i like the idea of of acting in a way that feels like you want to like you know do good in the world so you're trying to enact control in that you're trying to be a positive impact and a positive presence but then ultimately i like believe in like i i, I suppose like sararagati like a surrender that things will be as they are meant to be and i'm just i'm meant to play out the role i'm meant to play out for for reasons that I are forget if i told this knowing. to you or not i may not have um but i feel like i recently landed on the fact that i think i'm actually like skeptical slash an agnostic i don't think i'm hindu in terms of beliefs does that make sense like i really value our culture Um, music dance like the familial values it's given me mm -hmm. but like if you were to ask me like do i believe in what advaita vedanta and hindu philosophy says will happen i can't say yes well, I have tough times. I mean, I suppose I don't believe because I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I believe of any religion. Do you know what I mean? I haven't studied enough, I guess, to know if I believe if certain things really happened or not. But I find a lot of value in religion as an institution. Um, but it's also responsible for a lot of bad in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Like every religion has That's like a, a shadow side, a shadow like side. every single one, yeah. um, and every single one has like beauty and light and community and partnership. Um, so I find it difficult to like fully ascribe myself to anything, and I also find myself like it's tough because it's easy when like everyone, I guess, suppose when everyone looks like you and stuff, and you live in a world that's like very homogenous um you can just kind of live and not have to think about it but I've always had to like define for myself who I am what I believe and it's always been like blurred lines and a mix of categories and that's why I'm loath to label myself for other people because I find myself to be very complicated and I don't like I feel I find that any handle that I pick has a different connotation to the person no, hearing it than I mean it to have. That, like, Hindus did not call themselves Hindus. Hindus you know, were called like, Hindus because colonizers decided to name us that. Like, you know, like, so I think what you're saying about yeah. labels is very insightful yeah. in that, like, 
why why are we labeling labeling ourselves so it's easier for other people to understand and categorize us like that should not matter um and that's definitely something i like debate with mm -hmm. myself all the time why do i value labels so much like because you're right what matters at the end of the day it's like who you are and what you believe and who you are to yourself what i've landed on for labels is i need labels to understand myself i find that like mm -hmm. i agree with that i find writing and and naming things right. like even the like, skin like, in the game like phrases. i find like yeah i find like concepts and phrases and like shorthand and those are labels you know what i mean like now you say the word skin in the game and you think of all the examples that you've thought of and all the like the, all the little ideas and that's a label and i find those extremely helpful and like english is like my favorite subject i love writing um but i just for a person I find it kind of weird, to be honest. And I don't, and I think it's become to the point where sometimes it's important and sometimes it's like exhausting. Like sometimes it's important for me to be like, hi, I'm a thumber mm -hmm. girl. I'm going to talk about thumber today. So it's important well, you that know you know that I have a history in this. But then, yeah, but it, sometimes it's also like now in like today's culture, it's like I am, and I've said this before, it's like I am like, a multilingual, like dark skin, thumber, South Indian, American, in like you know what I mean, physical therapist. Like how many labels do you yeah, choose until you're just yourself? That. Um one, I really think identity politics did a fucking number on at least me and a few others of our mutual friends. It's still happening, dude. They're not giving it up. The Democrats really like I mean, fucking dude, like they love even like ship. they love it. I don't They're know what the word it. is for it, but like almost like the commodification of like Kamala's like mixed heritage kind of really grossed me out. Like her identifying is what mm -hmm. she identifies at. Totally fine. Well, she's correct. Like, yeah, she gets she's to black and Indian. She gets things, to be black and Indian. Like, you don't like, wow, the, the we have cured the racism. Way they like, why it? is that the immediate liberal, liberal response? We clearly have not. You know? And my other point, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. But it's also, and it's also, I'm just like, I don't want, it's like, there's so many different ways to be annoyed. There are people that hate Kamala because they're fucking racist. And there are people that are like, oh, aren't you excited about Kamala? And it's like, and I just, you just have to stare at them and be like, why would I be excited? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't like, I love seeing brown representation and I don't like feeling like I should be represented by all brown people no, that, that are makes up sense. there. I agree. Does that make sense? They don't speak for me. They just like, I love, look I more love, like, like me. Yeah, like there's like, and I just have a couple. Do you know what I mean? Like other people, like white people have everybody. So they're not you don't see like nicole kidman and expect her to be speaking no, for jane for more there's no pressure. like nicole kidman's yeah. just nicole kidman but you see fucking but you see fucking like mindy kaling and it's like sweetha what did you think of mindy kaling's newest blah 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 because i have to have an opinion and i have to like I've agree or something you know what I mean? for so long because there's not enough because there's I know, I know, but I, I don't really like her that much. But I'm just no, saying I there's not you. enough of them. Do you know what I mean? 
So you can't just be like Mindy Kaling is a Mindy Kaling. It's like it has to be like Mindy Kaling is like the first brown blah blah blah. And and because of that, but she perhaps represents and that that is a that's me. an argument for and, in my opinion representation for and against. I feel like it's well, tough. Yes. It's a balance because because it's like it's like with Kamala, for example, it's like. It's like, am I happy there's an Indian up there? Yeah. Like, am I happy that it's not another white man? Like, that's aesthetically good, I guess. And, like, good for this country. But, you know, I don't I don't have to no, like totally. this because I'm a I, girl, I totally right? agree with that. I think the only point I'm making is, like, from a statistical standpoint, the way that we'll stop looking up to, like, our 2.4 people that or our version of representation is by flooding <laughs> all those fields and spaces with more people like us, which I think is the pro argument for representation. However, the con is that representation assumes that we keep the same system and ways of doing things that we're doing right now. We're just pushing more people that look like us into it. And that's where, that's where I kind of falter. That's where I'm like, that doesn't yeah. feel right. You know? Yeah. And and I just feel also I think there needs to be like a reckoning of like I think there needs to be like full representation and stuff right. like politics, you know? But but it's different and, and I still kind of think there needs to be full representation in things like art, because art drives politics and it's important to see representation in art and culture. But it's also like there are certain things that are not a democracy. And are not like evenly spread across the population and are just like a product of like not even like talent, but like a je ne sais quoi, like a, just like a an essence. And 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 like you can see Netflix is kind of trying to like legislate this, like with like focus group demographics ways of producing art and culture to stay relevant and you can feel it getting stale where you're just like this was focus grouped for me and I don't like it I don't like that they decided that I would like this you can tell that it was predetermined rather than just being art that's like setting out to surprise and innovate and titillate and excite you can tell that it's not just art that you're responding to but rather like some kind of gruel I mean, I'd that bet big money into your feeding like, have been studying user behavior, you know, and especially in a focus group setting where they're trying to tailor to what they think you want. But it's, I think it's hopeful that I can tell, you know, that you can tell when you like something because it's art and you can kind of tell when you're supposed to like it based on what, who they think you are now where you have to rely on your internal sense of what's right and wrong because a lot of the things that are pushed on us have been tailored, curated, designed based on studies of us that people are doing in this way. And like, yeah, that fills me with discomfort in a way because it's like, well, what's, what's novel in the world? (laughs) Really nothing when you think about it from that lens, you know? Well, I don't think there was ever anything new under the sun. I think we would be more than lucky to gain some of the knowledge from the past back. Um, 
we just need balance, I think. I think we entered an age of, like, technology and optimization and progress, and then we went too fast. And now we need to add in, mix back in, like, stability, sustainability, in a way that doesn't, like, totally eradicate optimization and innovation. Yeah, I mean, in a positive note, you know what one I mean? really amazing technological advancement that happened very recently was Perseverance landing on Mars. Yeah, so to me, I, We're on Mars, I, baby. I mean this so sincerely, I have not felt like hope in humanity like the way I felt when Perseverance landed and you watched everyone cheering and you read about it. I love, I love, I fucking me, me love too, because it's content. I love when people like land shit and cheer and like it's so right, much work. Exactly. And I, I think, just can't I fathom, think space you know? reminds of us, us of how small we are and like how much more like greater things are out there. And like, that's also why it was uplifting. Like, I don't know. It was like, for once, we're not the center of attention. And that is maybe really good for us. I mean, uh, I, I love don't. to be the a type spec. three in you loves attention, just like the type <laughs> three. Yeah, I love attention. Yeah, zoom in I on me on the wedding. Can't day, wait to be your hype woman through all wedding activities. Girl, fucking my Aww, friendship's so I love late. You. I'm so I'm excited too. Excited. It's gonna be a really good day, and like literally so the excited. event of the year. I'm so sure of it. Okay. Um. <laughs> I guess to on that note, um, to perseverance. See you around. See you.